into the contest. It is Thursday the 17th of June. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee on a sparkling Thursday. How are you, Shana? I'm really good, mate. Just got back from the gym. I've uh, been working on the heavy bags, the uh, the speed balls, um, a bit of skipping, mate, getting my boxing ready to go. I might take Gallon on. What do you reckon? Oh, <laughs> let's get ready to rumble. I would love it. Well, let's talk about that in just a tick. But we've got your chance to win, of course, here on Afternoon Sport, because if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, you go into the draw for a possible Wanderers soccer ball signed by the whole crew. So just follow us on Facebook or Twitter. That is Afternoon Sport. And someone will win the signed Wanderers ball. Coming up on the show, Ben Damon will break down that fight, the Gallon Hooney fight. And John Thompson, all things motorsport. Well, Paul Gallon, he was he was gallant, wasn't he? He was brave, he was all those things, but just outclassed by Justice Hooney. And someone that was really upset by it, of course, he's, he's Paul Gallon's number one supporter, <laughs> uh, my co-host Shane Lee. Shane, um, thoughts? Look, it was good to see Paul Gallon lose, but I tell you what, I have to give credit to the guy. He is one tough sucker, mate. He... Um, some of those body blows that Henny was hitting him with, mate, and uh, you know, crack rib. I think in the, in the third round, mate, he hung in there to the end. And um, but yeah, totally outclassed by a guy who was his first real boxer that he's fought against. And um, yeah, Gallon went down. But as I said, mate, I've got to give him credit because he is tough to hang in there because that guy was hitting him seriously hard. Yeah, well, I read some uh, breaking news this morning. I don't know whether it's been released too far, but uh, Gallon's come out and made a statement saying that he's not going to fight any. Uh, boxes anymore he wants to look closer to his own and he'd love to do a blue on blue fight with former Australian cricketer New South Wales captain Shane Lee how do you approach that <laughs> well I need some headgear for starters um, uh, how do I approach that I won't be, I won't be team. I'm not getting in the ring with that guy um, mate if that guy couldn't drop him in uh, in, in the first three rounds uh, I'm surely I, I won't make a dent in him but um, yeah as I said mate but t- he was totally outclassed class and uh, it's good to see this guy he'll go on now and, and fight for a guy Gold medal in the uh, in the Olympics. Don't you like the sound of it? In the red corner, all the way from Oak <laughs> Flats in Wollongong. Shane Lee. All right, we'll break it all down. This uh, this fight night that uh, looked well done to Justice Hooney, by the way. He was absolutely exceptional. Ben Damon was there. He was in the broadcast chair, and he'll be with us after this. Okay, well, what a night it was, and uh, it's a real treat to have the man that actually called the fight. He is pretty much Mr. Boxing in this country, Ben Damon. How are you, Benny? Yeah, good, Tim. Shane, yeah, it was a great night, wasn't it, for pretty much everyone except for Paul Gallen. Um, he would be uh, pretty sore, I'm sure, today. Um, was very ginger in the dressing room afterwards. That body assault was absolutely brutal. It was, mate. And did he have, did he have, does he have a broken rib? Well, I think he's got to go off and get that checked. Yeah. But as you, as you know, there's not much you can do about a broken rib. You just got to recover and, uh, yeah, not have much fun sneezing or the like for quite mm. some time. But he was okay in the ring and he was still trying to throw his shots, even on that side of his body. But, um, yeah, in the dressing room afterwards, once he'd cooled down, um, he was having a lot of trouble just moving around and he just sort of had the, the arm stuck to the side. So it's going to be a sore few days, that's for sure, as he uh, 
tries to recover from that, but at least he's got something in the vicinity of a million bucks to uh, get him through it all. That'll buy a few ice packs. How's Justice? Yeah, he was all good. Um, he did have a little bit of a problem with his right hand. Uh, you could see he was going away from that shot, which was the most successful punch that he had through that entire fight. And um, we in commentary were a bit confused as to why he didn't just keep firing out that right hand. And I think what happened is it went numb later in the fight. So he went back to it and he started throwing it again. And then he brought it back out in rounds nine and 10 and ultimately got rid of Paul Gallen. But um, yeah, he was fine. Um, Obviously very, very pleased to have defended his heavyweight world title. And even more than that, he's just uh, delighted that he's now in a position to head off and concentrate on the Olympic Games because that has been his focus throughout this entire process is getting himself in the best possible position to go and win a gold medal for Australia in the super heavyweight division in Tokyo. Well, you have to think he's got to be a big chance. You know, um, Paul Gallon, he's a fighter, but this guy, he, he's a hes a traditional boxer, isn't he? Oh, he's a freak. He's such a gifted athlete. We've seen him only the five times as a professional, and he's won mm. all of those fights. And he boxes like a middleweight, really, but he's got yeah. that heavyweight size, and he uh, uses his feet as well as he uses his hands. As you saw last night, Paul Gallon, whenever he tried to get close to him and Justice didn't want him near him, he'd just mm. be out of there and throwing his shots and getting away. But then for most of the fight, he said, all right, if you want to do it at close quarters, we'll do that as well. And I'll just punch you in the guts a whole heap of times. <laughs> so, yeah, he's very, very gifted. And uh, he fights sort of in between styles at the moment because there is a big difference between amateur boxing, which is what they fight at the Olympic Games, and professional boxing, which is what we saw last night. So he's still evolving his style. But once he goes over and does whatever he does and hopefully wins gold at those, at those uh, Olympic Games, then he'll come back and he'll evolve his style and he'll really sit down on his punches and become a proper pro. Yeah, well, as Paul Gallon sits in his ice bath today, and look, he, he may not feel lucky, but to be honest, when we look back in 10 years' time, he's probably very lucky to have actually had a fight against this bloke because he, he was just all class, and he looked like he just kept Gallon in it. He was just toying with him pretty much the whole fight. Yeah, he was dominant throughout. It was late in the first round when you first thought, oh, geez, this is already getting away from Gallon. He's getting picked off, and his plan, which was to get inside and throw those shots and throw those big overhand rounds, rights and left hooks was just not working because Hooney's feet were too quick and his hands were just too strong and too fast and he probably punched with a bit more power than what Paul Gullen thought. So, yeah, you're probably right. In a few years' time or at the end of his uh, career, which which won't be too far away for Paul Gallen. He'll look back and think it was a privilege to share a ring with someone like Justice Hooney because he's only had the five professional fights. So he's very, very early on in his professional career. And people want to be saying today, oh, geez, he doesn't have the power to win world titles. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. He's 22. He's just started. He's got a long way to go. So he's going to evolve. Tyson Fury's the heavyweight champion of the world or one of them. He didn't have power until his last fight either. So, um, yeah, it's a, a situation where I think we've got to give Justice Uni plenty of time to evolve into what he's going to become and at least let him get a, an Olympic campaign out of the way before we start commenting on his power. Yeah, he's definitely crafty. He was almost like watching a cat with a dead mouse. It was quite, quite enjoyable. Quite enjoyable. But uh, what, what to now for Paul Gallon? Uh, well, he goes and recovers and he makes mm. a very, very difficult decision. Does he want to do it again? Because there's a rematch clause entirely in his favour. If he wants to, he just has to say, yep, let's do it. And they're going to do it again probably towards the end of the year. But it's really a decision for him on uh, what he wants to place more importance on, his health or his wealth. Because uh, mm. I can't see it going any differently. Differently, and you'd have to mm. think once Justice Hooney gets in a position where he's finished his amateur boxing career and is a full-time professional and 
now he knows exactly what's going to be in front of him with Paul Gallen, he's going to be even more devastating. Yeah. So I think um, Gallen has to weigh up whether he wants uh, that significant earn again, whether he'd get quite as much. I'm not 100% sure, but he'd certainly uh, do very, very well again and more than he probably could with any other fight other than if he can tempt Sonny B. Williams into the ring. But Sonny has shown uh, not a great deal of interest in getting in there with Paul Gallen, and he'd have to think that after the huge uh, break that he's had in his boxing career, Paul Gallen is probably going to fair way ahead of him, so would be a very, very strong favourite to win that fight if it were to happen. Yeah, that would just be about the money, wouldn't it, Justice Herney? Because you could almost tell he, he knew he had the Olympic campaign. He was on the top of his toes if he came out at the back end of the year and just, or, or look, the only way I could see it going differently, Benny, is him knocking him over in the first round because boy, oh boy, this guy's a talent. I uh, really appreciate, as we all do, you coming on the program, mate, and giving your professional insights. Thanks, Ben. Uh, absolute pleasure, boys. Hope you enjoyed the fights. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, all the latest in motor racing, the wild times in Formula One. Our man, John Thompson. Rugby, it's a game they play in heaven. Look out for our podcast, The Running Game, where Matt Dunning joins me, Tim Gilbert. Each week, we speak to players, coaches and legends of the game. We look at the game from every angle at all levels, from test rugby, the club game, city to country and the way it's played at school. The Running Game. Come find us on your podcast app. What about the mayhem in motorsport? Uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix, John Thompson, it was all over the joint. Absolutely, Tim, yeah. Uh, good to be back talking to you guys. It, it was a, a, an unbelievable Grand Prix. It's a great track, actually. I really like it, the Baku uh, circuit around the city of Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan. Um, they've only been going there the last four or five years. And this time, uh, it looked like Max Verstappen was going to, he had the race in his grasp with only about six laps to go. Uh, and he had a tyre failure. The Pirelli's uh, rear Pirelli let go and he uh, slid the car down the wall and uh, was mm. out of the race with six laps to go earlier. Lance Stroll in the Aston Martin also had the same problem. So some question marks have, have been uh, hovering over the Pirelli tyres and over Pirelli's response they say that the tyres weren't uh, uh, run at the spec. They mm. told the teams to run them at. So there's a bit of a war of words going on between the teams and Pirelli at the moment. Uh, but th- that mayhem actually then gave um, uh, Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen's yeah. new teammate at Red Bull, the chance to win uh, a Grand Prix. And uh, he took that chance with both hands and, and took the victory ahead of uh Sebastian Vettel, uh, who, you know, has been out of form, had a dreadful time at Ferrari after winning four championships yep. with Red Bull and now back in on the podium and uh, looking okay after a, what was a difficult uh, initiation with the Aston Martin team mm-hmm. early in the year. But that, that's looking good as well. So, now, John, you talk about the, some, some tyre failures there, but uh, are the wheels coming off with the, with the mighty uh, uh, Mercedes F1 team, isn't it? Yeah, just look, there's... They're not up to scratch at the moment. You know, they had a couple of slow pit stops at um, uh, Azerbaijan. They had a dreadful pit stop for uh, um, Valtteri Bottas at Monaco. Mm. Um, The cars aren't as sharp or as quick as the Red Bulls. They've lost a bit of ground to them and they haven't been able to make it up. Uh, Lewis Hamilton made a little mistake at Azerbaijan. Mm. He flicked a switch and only had front brakes, which meant he ran on the first corner and 
and was overrun by everyone and then had to battle battle his way back through the field. And they don't have a Tom, they don't have a lot of time to get it right, do they? They've got the French Grand Prix, they've got the Austrian Grand Prix. It's all back to back. It's a very, very busy schedule, the British GP. Next five weeks, there's four Grand Prix. And in fact, uh, this weekend, the French Grand Prix, then as you say, the two Grand Prix in Austria, the Steermark Grand Prix, and then the Austrian Grand Prix, both at the Red Bull Ring, and then a, a fortnight break to the British Grand Prix. That is going to be incredibly hard on the teams. They're very professional, but it's not going to help uh, Mercedes-Benz. It seems to me like Red Bull had just got the upper hand. Verstappen was, as I said, running away with that race in, in Baku. And um, I think he's going to be very quick on the Red Bull ring, obviously owned by mm. the same guy that owns Red Bull drinks, Dieter Matichitz, uh, and owns the Red Bull team. Got to be careful. Got to be careful how you say that, mate. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so it's going to be a very, very difficult thing for Mercedes-Benz to battle back. Yeah. But all of the teams are going to be unpre- under pressure in the next five weeks with this very unrelenting schedule. And does that, um, with, yeah, as you say, f- four races in five weeks, um, does fatigue play a factor? And is, and is that dangerous? Um, look, the drivers get fairly rested. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's. I think it's just the pressure. It's the small mistakes that get made by the team mm. in in the mechanical fettling of the cars, in the preparation, the inability to actually put new developments into the cars because it's just the fact that you've got to have the car ready for the race, the qualifying in such short periods of time. Normally, they've got a fortnight between races, mm. and that just gives them gives them a bit mm. of a break. But having said that, you know, these are multi-million-dollar teams with massive resources at the track. It's it's just still a very difficult task for them. Yeah. Uh, what about the MotoGP? Ever since Jack Miller was written off by you, he's been flying. Um, yeah, Jack Miller's just been going gangbusters. Fantastic effort. Another third at uh, the Catalonia uh, Grand Prix in Spain. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's facing up again at Saxon Ring, a track he really likes in Germany for the German MotoGP this weekend. He's third in the championships, just t- 25 points off the lead. Um, so one win, if you like. So Jack Miller's going gangbusters. But um, fantastically also, we've mentioned him a few times, mm-hmm. Remy Gardner on the MotoGP bikes leading the Moto, sorry, the Moto2 uh, category on his uh, KTM. And uh, he's in great form and really the dominant force in Moto2 at the moment. And I'd say he will be stepping up to MotoGP next year. Now, for the real petrol heads, the supercars head to Darwin. Absolutely. Out of the cold, into yes. the warmth in Darwin. I spoke mm. to uh, some mates this morning who are up there um, covering it. And uh, the teams, the supercar teams have been under a bit of pressure because obviously half the teams are based in Melbourne. They've had issues with the lockdown. They had the Winton round cancelled uh, three weeks ago. So uh, there's all sorts of pressure there too. A lot of the teams are relocated to southern Queensland as they did during COVID last year, and, and that's uh, caused all sorts of issues. The question mark is, can Shane Van Gisbergen continue his uh, – well, he hasn't won the last couple of rounds, but he's certainly been scoring strong points and leads the championship. Can he continue to do that, or will the, uh, the Shell uh, DJR – Mustang team come back. Obviously, also some pressure coming from the Mustangs uh, at uh, Ford Performance Racing. Mm, absolutely. Now, you're just making me dream a bit. I imagine the three of us right at the moment at the Darwin Yacht Club just having a cold libation and some fresh seafood. Uh, <laughs> it's not to happen. Next time. Next time. Tomo, good to talk to you. Good on you, guys. Talk soon. 
That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. Big thank you today to Ben Damon, also to John Thompson, and thank you to Spartan Sports. Yeah, www.spartansportshq.com. And our producer, the wonderful Dan McHugh. We'll see you tomorrow for a daily dose of sports. See you then, guys. Take care and sleep tight. Paul Gallant.